Turn with me to Psalms, the 30th division, verse number 5. Amen. Psalms 30, verse 5. The word of the Lord reads, For his anger endureth but a moment. In his, in his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. I want to speak this morning um, from this thought. Um, you have enough of light to make it through the night. You have enough of light to make it through the night. And look at your neighbor and repeat this subtopic. And the subtopic is, it won't last all night. Look at your other neighbor and repeat that thought. Say, it won't last all night. I'm here today to speak to somebody in this room that's in the paradox of promise. You're caught between being stretched by God for the possibilities for your future while you seek to sustain strength from God 
to deal with the vicissitudes of your reality. My dear brothers and my dear sisters, I want you to understand that you don't get power because of pain, but it's because you have power that pain comes. You don't get strength because of struggle, but it's because that you have struggle that strength shows up. You don't get anointed because of adversity, but it's because that you're already anointed that adversity is knocking at your door. As a matter of fact, there are those who thought the enemy was coming against them to take what they have, but because he is the father of lies, and how many know that Satan is the father of lies? God permitted Satan to put his hands on you just to prove what's already in you. And the last time that I checked the Bible, the word of the Lord declared that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Psalms 30 and 5 is a psalm of King David praying. And this prayer in Psalms 30 and 5 is David's penitent response to 1 Chronicles chapter 21. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21, the Bible records that David has sinned against God by attempting to number the people. And my dear brothers and sisters, you gotta be careful whenever God puts something in your hand that you don't think it's because of your hand that you're blessed. Don't ever think it's because of your smarts because of your wits, because of your looks, because of your talents, because of your gifts, that you are blessed the way that you are. Because no matter how pretty you feel that you may be, there is somebody that's prettier than you. No matter how shapely you are, how smart you are, how talented and how gifted you might be, that if God decided for one second to remove his hand of favor and his hedge of protection from off your life, everything that makes you feel like you're all of that in a cookie would leave you with the revelation that you're none of that in a stinking root beer. That's Don Shelby speaking right there. Can I get a witness in here? That was the problem with David. He started filling himself. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Say, whatever you do. Say, don't, don't feel yourself. Thinking that because God had put the United Kingdoms in his hand that maybe it was because of what was in his hand that he can do whatever he wanted to do. Tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Say, so I don't care how blessed you are, how much you have on your plate. So you better not never forget about God. He started numbering the people. He put his trust in natural things rather than in God. And as a result of numbering the people, God brought a judgment on him. And he said, David, I'm going to give you the choice of three punishments. I can either give you three years of famine, three months of defeat, or I can give you three days of pestilence. 
David chose to three days thinking that he was getting off with a lesser sentence only to discover that because of his sin that even though he did not choose the three years of famine or the three months of defeat but he chose the three days of pestilence that it was during those three days of pestilence that it was as if it was three years because in three days 70,000 Israelites were slain. So then Psalm 30 and 5 finds David at the threshing floor of a man's house by the name of Ornam. He goes down to the threshing floor and he begins to pray Psalms 30 and 5. And, 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 and I want you to understand that there was dearth and there was death and there was doom in Israel. And that David now is guilt ridden. And he is blaming himself for the loss of his brothers. And I can hear David saying, Lord, if I had not allowed myself to do what I did, then none of these things would be happening. All of these people are suffering because of me. In other words, it's like a loved one making selfish decisions and everybody else is paying for their wrong choices. The Psalm of David is not him trying to pray some flowery prayer, but here is a man with the blood of 70,000 people dripping on his weighted conscience, begging God for his forgiveness. So here's what he said to God in penitence. He said, your anger endureth for a moment. Favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may endure but for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. Herein is what David understood that you need to understand and that is that God never allows a conditional circumstance without an unconditional covenant. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Say, God never allows a conditional circumstance without an unconditional covenant. Can I get a witness in here? You see, that's what God's grace is all about. God gives you grace to run this race because we have an ace in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the reason why we're able to sustain the testings and the trials that we have to go through. Because if it was not for the grace of God on our life, then we would not be where we are. And I know many people say, well, Bishop, you know, I'm holy, I'm sanctified. But the truth of the matter is, as holy as you are, you're still not innocent. That if it had not been for God's grace, can I get a witness? But that grace suspends itself to create balance for our life that even when you're the one that has tipped the scale to put your own life out of balance, amen, that God will sustain you and keep you level throughout your trials and your storms. Can God's people shout amen? David walked with God and David talked with God. So what David was saying is, I understand that even if I am the one that has brought this upon myself, I thank you, Lord, that for every conditional circumstance that you already have an unconditional covenant. 
Let's look at the text because in the text there is two conditional circumstances, but, 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 but there are also two unconditional covenants because God never allows anything to happen in your life unless he has already created parameters for your life to provide a way for victory in your life. So here it is, the first conditional circumstance. Here it is, that his anger is for a moment. You need to pay attention to that. His anger is for a moment. This is just like a good parent that finds it necessary to reprove. David says to God, I understand. Even if you get angry with me, that you're not going to be mad with me forever. And I don't know who it is that I'm talking to, but somebody needs to know and understand, amen, that his anger is but for a moment, that God is not angry with you forever. God's not mad with you. I don't care what you've done, and I don't care how long you did it. I don't care what happened. God is not angry with you. Jesus loves you, and Jesus is standing, and he's saying, come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God's not angry with you. No, he's not angry with you. I don't care what has happened. You might have had a baby out of wedlock. God's not angry with you. You might have did something, amen, that, that, that caused your life, amen, to go the wrong way. God is not angry with you. He loves the sinner. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Can I get a witness in here? Can I get a witness in here? So David says, amen. He says, amen. I got it. I got, I have an unconditional circumstance. Something has happened in my life and his anger is, 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 is coming into my life for a moment. But listen to what David says. Even though I have a conditional circumstance, I have an unconditional covenant. And he says, but your favor is for a lifetime. Slap somebody five and shout, I got lifetime favor. Amen, that must have been the wrong neighbor, amen. Slap somebody else and tell them, amen, I got lifetime favor. Amen, I got favor for a lifetime. I don't just have favor for a week or favor for a month or favor for a season. I have favor for a lifetime. You ever hear your mama say that this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you? What she's saying is, I got to correct you, but please don't think that this correction means that I don't like you because I'm going to still give you a bed. I'm still going to feed you. I'm still going to put clothes on your back. I'm still going to take care of you because I'm your mama. Well, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but God is not mad with you. You might have messed up. You might have slipped up. You might have strayed away, but God is still going to bless you. He's still going to feed you. He's still going to take care of you because it's your father's good pleasure to give you the keys to the kingdom. That's why Job, after going through the things that caused the majority of us to walk away, Job said, though he slayed me, Yet will I trust him. He said, all the days of my appointed time, I'm going to wait until my change comes. Can I get a witness in here? Well, David, understand that I got a conditional circumstance. A conditional circumstance. I don't, 
I don't know what your conditional circumstance might be, but everybody has a conditional circumstance because I told you, no matter how holy you are, you're still not innocent. Everybody has a conditional circumstance. But, 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 but what David said, I got a conditional circumstance where God is, is mad at me and, 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 and I have an unconditional covenant that even though he's mad at me, watch this, he's never going to leave me. Y'all want to sit here, amen. Y'all, did y'all hear what I just said? Something about amen, church folk, amen, we, we, we don't know how to shout, we normally shout too early or we shout too late. We very rarely shout on time. Amen. So, 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 so I'm going to say that again. He says, he says I, I have a, a conditional circumstance where God is dealing with me, but I have an unconditional covenant that says he's not going to be mad with me forever. Mm. Mm. He said, there are times where God should have let you go. There were times where you should have been in a situation that probably a man should have caused you to have a lifetime sentence of, of death and doom. But God kept on holding you and other folk were talking about you. He kept on loving you and other folk had their foot on your neck and God raised you up. My God, give somebody a high five and tell them, say, I thank God for my unconditional covenant. Amen. So his first conditional circumstance was that his anger endures, but for a moment his first unconditional covenant was that his favor was for a lifetime. The second conditional circumstance was, watch this, that weeping may endure for a night. But the second unconditional covenant is that even while I'm crying, joy comes in the morning. And the key word, my dear brothers and sisters, in the text, and I'm getting ready to close, is may. I looked up the word may and may means expressing possibility and permission, which suggests that it's not a given that weeping is going to last all night. It's a possibility that can only persist with my granted, granted, granted permission. I gotta, I gotta give it permission to stay. I gotta give it permission to stay with me. Can I get a witness in here? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it might last a little while, but it's not going to last forever. Say so it might have happened at night, but it's not going to stay all night. Can I get a witness in here? So that lets me know that just because it stopped by does not mean it's going to stay over. That's why God told me to tell you that it doesn't have to last all night. David said in Psalms 127 and 2 that it is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows for he gives rest to his beloved. In other words, when you're in the night, the night is simply transition for transformation. And what David is telling us is just because it happened in the night, 
doesn't mean that it's going to stay throughout the night. I know you're getting ready to cry for the rest of the night, but God told me to tell you that he's not waiting for the night to be over to bring your morning to pass, but he can give you your morning in the middle of your night. Somebody shout yes. Somebody shout yes. I've got to close, but Thomas Brooks, the 17th century English Puritan preacher, stated in, I quote, that God will turn your winters into summer day. He'll turn your sighing into singing, your grief into gladness, your mourning into music. He'll turn your bitter into sweet. He'll make a wilderness out of a paradise. Brooks goes on to say that the life of a Christian is filled with interchanges, variations of sickness and health, weakness and strength, want and wealth, disgrace and honor, crosses and comfort, miseries and mercies, joy and sorrow. But he helps you to understand that just like all honey would do you bad and all wormwood could do you in that God did not design for everything around you to feel good in your life but he did just like grandmama whenever she would give you medicine she'll mix a little sugar just so you can take it and so the power of the text is Psalms 30 and 5 it's not when the night it's gonna be over but I what you gonna do in the middle of the night I understand that great things are happening for you I understand that we are celebrating a morning today it's Father's Day and we celebrate Father's Day we got on new suits we got on new shoes we have celebrations we're going out to dinner but I came to tell somebody that God is still in control and I got enough of sense to know that there are some folk that's going through that's going through a night there's some folk that just came came out of a night and there's some folk that's getting ready to go into to go into a night hallelujah and God told me to tell you that no matter what you're going through hallelujah that it won't last all night hallelujah I need David to come over here and tell me what's going on David said Shelby I'm already here I came to tell the people that yay though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the shadow of death I will fear no evil because thou are with me David I got a question how can you be so comforted while you're walking 
through the night. Here goes your revelation. David said, Bishop, it's because I got a shadow that's behind me that lets me know I got light in front of me because God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I can ask or even began began to think David said thy word is a light a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path so say yeah 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 look at your neighbor say neighbor you gotta understand that God can bring you through the night because there's enough there's enough light to carry you through your night there's enough light to carry you through your night Jesus said that I am the light of the world can you see yes can you see yes it doesn't matter how you feel it doesn't matter what's going on he's already given you enough light to make it through through your test yes sir David said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. I've got to close. But before I close, I got some questions that I want to answer. Somebody ask you, Bishop Shelby, what's going on in your life? How can you be as happy as you are with all of the things that happened to you? I was hit by a drunk driver at a hundred plus miles per hour. I was left on the side of the road as a dead man and the doctor said I'll never walk again I spent one year of my life in a wheelchair hallelujah hallelujah and the doctor said I'll never walk again but here I am here I am in the West Angeles Church of God in Christ I'm a walking talking miracle because God has been good to me. Yes, sir. They told me that my wife and I would never have a child, that she would never be able to birth. But I'm here to tell you, I'm standing here as grateful as I can be. I didn't have one child. I didn't have two children. I didn't have three. I didn't have four. But I had five because God is able to give you enough light to make it through the night. Good evening or good morning, West Handlers. I got to get out of here because I want to come back again. But I got to answer just a few questions for you. If anybody asks you, if anybody asks you, Bishop Shelby, why, why do you act like that? How did you learn how to sing? You tell them, my sorrow taught me how to sing. If somebody asks you, how did you learn how to pray? You tell them, my pain taught me 
tell them that trouble taught me how to trust. If somebody asks you, how did you learn how to fight? You tell them my fears taught me how to fight. If somebody asks you, how did you learn how to endure? You tell them my enemies taught me how to endure. If somebody asks you, Bishop Shelby, how did you learn how to dance? You tell them my dilemmas, my trials taught me how to dance. If somebody asks you, how did you learn how 